0: So
1: good evening everybody this is huge pop from the huge pop wrestling podcast tonight we have a special guest he's just got done training doing a training school at wvn training center i am talking to the an independent um performer a and a former WWE, wwe developmental wrestler he is known as the southeast gangster the king of the southeast his name is francisco quiego how's it going
0: well, I'm gonna go ahead and, 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 and go ahead and, and let's pronounce my name right first, pal. It's Kiazzo as yeah. in low key. Key Ot. Say it with me. Say it with key, me now.
1: Key, key at, so. so. All right. There we start. go. Key Hooked on so. phonics.
0: Hooked on phonics.
1: Hooked on phonics. I just learned that from the WVN training center. And it's the
0: WWN training center. Boy, you're bet. You're like the Bob Euchre of podcasts right now. You're getting you're you're betting a thousand right now.
1: Well, hey, it's gonna get better. I promise.
0: <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. All kidding aside, uh, your podcast has been put over. Big uh, Tokyo monster Kahagas called me uh, the other night. Of course, speaking to an interpreter because he can't speak English. unless He's uh, ordering the L twenty nine with white rice, but uh, <laughs> but he put over the uh, he put over the podcast and and uh, said he really enjoyed himself. Uh, if that really translated, uh, he might have been saying he had egg rolls with his side.
1: I'm not really sure. Probably, maybe. The way I started it off, you probably had egg rolls with the side. Not in, probably.
0: Not. Now I'm hungry. Now now I'm thinking about egg rolls. I
1: know. Now you don't even have to be able to answer the questions,
0: man.
1: So, <laughs> so man, how did you first get started in the world of professional wrestling as a fan?
0: Ah, uh, well, honestly, I get asked this question quite a bit. Um, you have to excuse me. We just got done training here, so a little, little, I'm a little hot myself trying to get uh trying to get cooled down. But uh, nonetheless, um, it was about when I was about eight years old or so. Um, I was, I was in a martial arts at eight years old and boxing and, and, uh, I was a big Bruce Lee fan and I'm going to date myself. Of course, I went to a video store. So of course I'm dating myself here and they didn't have enter the dragon was, and still is one of my favorite movies of all time that Bruce Lee did. Um, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't in, uh, but this one videotape this VHS tape of WrestleMania three was in. Okay? Okay. Now, granted, I had watched some championship wrestling from Florida, Gordon Soley, uh, from Eddie Graham sports stadium on a little black and white TV when I was a kid, but I equated anything in a ring to boxing. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so to me, it was all the same stuff. I was a kid. So I remember renting this video and taking it home, popping in the, in, in the, uh, you know, in the VCR again, dating myself. And I was hooked, you know, and I remember watching the match and I'm probably going to mess this up because um, after taking bumps for 20 years. You know, you kind of forget certain things. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it was the can am connection. And if I'm not mistaken, they were in the ring with Morocco, uh, and uh, I want to say maybe Bob Orton. But sure. I can't quite remember, but I, but I remember the K.M. Connection uh, vividly, and I remember Morocco vividly. Uh, and I remember being hooked from that second, like not even realizing what 93,000 people was and looked like. But I mean, that was insane, like to see that many people in an arena for anything at all, or a stadium. I mean, up until that point, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think that there had been anything um, that had drawn that kind of business right. outside of maybe Shea Stadium when Zabisco and, and uh, I think it was Zabisco and, and San Martino, but I'm not even sure that even came close to 93,000. Right. But from that point on, I was hooked. And, uh, of course, I started watching more and more championship wrestling from Florida, Gordon Soli and uh, Barry Windham, Kendo Nagasaki and uh, uh, the Great Muda, actually, early Great Muda days uh, as the ninja. Uh, and the White Ninja, uh, yeah. Rock and Roll Express, and so on. So that that was kind of like my introduction to professional wrestling. And from that point on, I was
1: hooked. So were those names that you just named, um, would those be would you say those were your heroes back in the day?
0: Um, my hero, honestly, I was I was a Hulk Hogan kid. Okay, uh, uh, Bret Hart, uh, Ric Flair, um, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts. Mm-hmm. You know uh, uh, the Rockers. I was a big Rockers fan. Uh, Rock and Roll Express. But I, I think hero wise. I'd say probably Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan were my two when I was when I was kid.
1: Okay, and I heard this thing about you. Um, I heard that you are a big rock and roll Poison fan, especially the song "Fallen Angel."
0: I absolutely am. And when I, uh, as kids, have backyard wrestling nowadays, and again, I, I never, I thought I never thought I'd be the the elder statesman that would say, "Man, those kids back in the day," but the yeah. kids that are doing backyard wrestling now, like we were doing it. Yeah, I only really have one or two friends outside the wrestling business now. And, and his name was uh, uh, Brian Diaz and and Ken Hill. And uh, uh, if they ever listen to this, I go ahead and put them over. But they're only two friends really outside the wrestling business. And um, it, we would have these backyard wrestling matches in my mom's house that was had an empty back bedroom. And, of course, the couch was the top rope. And, and we would just envision – in fact, I just unpacked Moved to my new house in Springfield, Florida. I just unpacked the cardboard Home Wrestling Federation heavyweight right. championship, uh, which of course I won and stole. And um, you know, I was even a even a, even a bad guy back then. And um, uh, but, but but a fallen angel was my entrance music, and I was a big Poison Mark, huge Poison fan, still am, um, and and just hair metal in general. I loved it. Right. Bon Jovi, yeah. Def yeah. Leppard, All Nine Yards.
1: Yeah, that was my uh, that that's my age group too. I uh, matter of fact, I got to see David Lee Roth and Poison in concert together. And Poison, that Poison just they totally dominated David Lee Roth. David Lee Roth, in my opinion, was a joke. And Poison, man, they just put on a show. That was unreal.
0: It was. I've seen Poison quite a few times. Motley Crue, I've seen quite a few times.
1: Um, L.A. Guns, Rat. Uh, yeah,
0: Bondage a couple times, it was so. Yeah, so you 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 can identify with that, and it was uh, yeah. you would come from the same
1: area. Yeah, great. Graduated in '88, so that's that was my time, man. That was my time. Very so. nice.
0: What what a great time the '80s was. I mean, it was that just was. An amazing, amazing time for everything—from music to movies to wrestling to everything.
1: Yeah, <clears> I, I say that all the time. You know, I talk about um, sports on different podcasts. You know, and basketball back in the '80s is so much different than basketball now. Oh, absolutely. Around. All around, so so hobbies. You you got some hobbies, and I also heard a story about or heard yeah about you love the love for Furbies.
0: Guy, <laughs> yeah, you definitely you you definitely talk to Gahegis. um So that that so I, I love I'm a big avid collector of vintage toys, okay. uh, which I'm pop I'm popping. Pardon the pun for your uh, I'm looking at your graphic here. Um, everything from Funko Pops to vintage toys, uh, anything from the '80s. 70 honestly 70s 80s um i'm a big collector of like the uh, um you like the ljns i've got like 98 percent of the collection uh, uh i get so jealous when cardona and 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 brian myers talk about their collections because they, you know they're like the the, the jordan the pippin of the collector's world i'm like the i'm like the the tom rocky stone of the collector world okay you know? so it, it's uh but i i love collecting vintage toys anything 70s 80s uh 90s um excuse me video game, same way uh but yeah i'm a a big collector of uh, of vintage toys
1: awesome awesome so now you're a dislike of furbies or a liker of furbies no i
0: don't like furbies at all i'm gonna shove a furby down gagus's throat when i see him next
1: okay there you go so in the indies compared to WWE and ROH, what is the biggest disconnection or the biggest difference in those two, uh, <clears throat> the two styles?
0: Can Can you repeat that one more time? Sorry.
1: Okay. So independent, in, the independence like you are, that you do a lot of now yep. compared to the WWE and ROH, what is the biggest difference?
0: Wow. Um, honestly, the understanding and the psychology of why it is we do what we do. Uh, slowing down to see a lot of guys on the independents that go 100 miles an hour. Uh, I think a lot of the guys aren't working for the fans. I think they're working for themselves. Okay. And when you get to a level like, uh, uh, you know, in WWE or Impact or, you know, ROH or AEW, and, you know, you're, you're, you're working for the fans. You're, you're not working for yourself. And I think that's the biggest disconnect on the indies now is that a lot of the guys and girls don't understand why it is we do what we do. Uh, psychology gets lost. Um, and psychology is a very hard part of this business, and why it is we do what we do. Um, it also takes the longest to understand, and uh, which is also why I think it gets pushed to the side. Okay,
1: that's fair. Um, so I'm going to dive into something. I hope it's okay. Um, how? Man, congratulations on your um your marriage, uh, Stormy. I think I the where I read it, and she played a valuable part in your. In your world of wrestling and your life in general, can you explain that?
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, it, it, it's when you have somebody that that can understand what you go through uh, on a daily basis uh, and support you, and 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 you support them. Um, that's where the magic begins. You know, and it's it's a very it's a very difficult industry, very difficult business. Uh, so if you can go in it together, or with somebody that can that can understand where you're coming from. Um, to me, that's pretty damn cool. And, you know, which was the basis for, um, you know, basis for our, my film that, that was filmed, uh, called journeyman, um, uh, 316 production, global Genesis film, um, which, uh, we'll be putting out a press release or a re-release. Uh, we got kind of got screwed with the pandemic like everybody did. Yeah. And, um, so we, we kind of got screwed with, with Hulu and a couple different avenues that we had the, uh, a film going through, but you know, that our film explains a lot of that. And, um. But but I think I think in the sh- the short answer is is she was a very you know is a very intricate part uh, in in my success and vice versa. Uh, she was uh, 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 wrestling for Shine for many years, very successful uh, Shine wrestling competitor. Um, so you know to, to see her success in such a very short time, um, and, and to be the support for mine, you know to me that's
1: what it's all about. And there's some articles I've and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. She I. I I think she um there was some times in you know in the independence you know you don't make very much money blah blah blah, but I think that she's and it's still in a phrase and you guys never give up,
0: no hundred percent and it's it's if you want something I mean none of this business is easy it's a very difficult industry to be in uh, forget about making it right because making it's all relevant um, but it, when you when you talk about just surviving and just getting by is is hard enough forget about making it. Um, but you know, now, you know, things are a lot, you know, and some people probably think a lot differently. Things are a lot easier than they were when I was coming in, uh, for the guys and girls now to make money and to make a dollar outside of WWE, outside of AEW, outside of impact. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of international tours. There's a lot of, you're able to make money on the independence that you weren't able to make many years ago. Once the territories dried up, you know, went away. Um, so, and, and good on them. You know, there's so many talent, so, so much talent out there right now. Um, I mean, you could have five WWEs, you know, and they wouldn't be able to house all the talent that's in this country, you know. So there's only so many spots. So if you think about NXT, you know, the main roster, couple that with Impact, Ring of Honor, AEW, all the international, there's still independent talent that is just on the indies. You know, um, you know, one person that comes to mind is is a guy like Effie, you know, who's who's made a name for himself on the independents. And you know, I know Effie pretty well. We we we, we did some work together years ago, and and Um, it's so cool to be able to see guys, girls that are able to do this, uh, on an independent level and, and make money. You know I mean? That's, that's pretty damn cool to me.
1: Right. Right. So you became a fan that you, that you were in martial arts. And so what inspired you to be a professional wrestler, not as a fan, but to be a professional wrestler,
0: um, you know, to be honest, it was the pageantry. It was the, it was that, that match that I was telling you about. Like I was, I was so enthralled with how they were able to, to, to puppeteer the crowd. And, and I didn't even know what I was looking at as a kid, but I knew that they were the crowd was reacting to certain things. And it was because, you know, Hogan would point or yeah. he would flex and yeah. he would do the who, you know, and the crowd would go nuts, yeah. you know, and I, again, I didn't realize what I was looking at when I was looking at it until many years later, but that's what really got me hooked and yeah. wanting to be a professional wrestler. I remember I was in a, I was in college. I was, I just got my two year degree and I was sitting in a, in one of my classes, like taking an exam. I was either going to go to school to be a lawyer or a cop. I can't remember. It was one of, it was something in law enforcement. I was, I wasn't quite sure yet. Okay. So, but I told my, I told my, my family I probably wanted to go to school to be a lawyer. And I joke about it all the time when I get banged up or hurt. Like, Oh, I should have been a lawyer. <laughs> uh, I remember I stood up in an exam taking an exam and I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to be here. And I got up and walked out in the middle of the test. And uh-huh. I remember I went to a, a a shitty wrestling school. Sorry if I can't curse on this, but I'm sure you'll beep it out. Um, Uh, But I I went to a really crappy wrestling school uh, by a crook by the name of Jerry Gray. And um, uh, he took me for a bunch of money. And then uh, I got really discouraged, went back to college and then realized I still didn't want to be at college and left again, started bagging groceries at Publix and I became like a butcher's apprentice and was realizing, man, I don't want to do this the rest of my life either. And uh, I was flipping through Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and I came across Exotic Adrian Streets ad in Pro Wrestling Illustrated with big dollar signs that said, "You want to be a pro wrestler?" And I was like, "I do." It was like that ad spoke to me. Right. And uh, I called him up, and next thing you know, I, I moved up there for for uh, you know, probably six months or so, and uh, and lived there with him in, in Gulf Breeze, and uh, uh, the rest is history.
1: In Gulf Breeze, huh? Yeah. I um I live in Fort Walton Beach, so just down the road from golf.
0: Very nice. I love Fort Walton Beach.
1: Yeah, my wife and I are we are we run the emergency shelter for foster kids and we have eight foster kids at, at a time that we care for. So
0: oh bless your heart, man. Bless you guys. This, that, that's awesome.
1: this is um this is like my self-care. So I sure. get the chance to talk to you guys behind yeah. and forget about everything that's going on in my room. Real that's world, really
0: so. awesome, man. That's really awesome you yes. guys do that, man. Much Thank many you. a lot of respect for that.
1: Thank you. So if you ever get up to Fort Walton Beach, man, we gotta get out. We gotta hook up for lunch.
0: Heck, yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. The last time I was up in that area, um, believe it or not, I was actually on my way to Louisiana or, uh Texas to work with Rudy Boy Gonzalez. Yeah. And I had reached out to Adrian Street and I said, Hey, I'm I'm on my way to Texas. Um, are you still in, in Pensacola? Because I hadn't seen him since yeah. I left. You know, it's not like it is now. You know, it was right. like you left wrestling school years ago, you didn't your your trainer waved by to you and that was it, and you went out on your own. Um and you know, we kept in contact over the years, but I hadn't seen him. And he was two days away from moving back to England, and God rest his soul, passed away, you know, a right. short a short time ago.
1: Yeah. So was training tougher than you imagined? And can you talk us through training? How what training was like?
0: Um, training was 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 pretty brutal. Um have to excuse me,
1: I gotta take a drink. Hold on one second.
0: Sorry, guys. All right, no problem. Uh,
1: and there's no reason to worry about whatever you say on the podcast. There's no rating at all. So okay,
0: excellent. fire away. So so it, it, was, it, was, it was brutal. Um, when I moved to Adrian's, it was five days a week, Monday through Friday, uh, about seven hours a day, everything from uh, hook and shoot to you name it, we did it, uh, uh, plus lifted weights and cardio. I mean, he would wake us up sometimes at 5, 6 o'clock in the morning for a two-mile run and walk to the beach. Huh? We'd come back, we'd have breakfast, and then we'd start our training. And training we'd go all the way through the afternoon. We'd have we'd break for lunch. And then we'd be back at it till about four or five o'clock in the afternoon. Um and then you know, we'd finish it up with a quick lift. And then we the rest of the night was ours. And that was Monday through Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday was ours to do whatever we wanted. And I did that for a few, you know, for months. And then uh I left there and and so was kind of on my own, but I mean, it was, it was, it was rough. I mean, it was hundred degrees inside the wrestling school. It isn't like, a uh, the post wrestling school, like you see here, you know, just right. Short, right? you know, there's yeah. air condition here and you know, a roof that did doesn't leak and, uh, yeah. you know, lights are on and you know, there it was a, it was brutal, but I wouldn't have had it any other way. And yeah. and truthfully, um, if we could get away with that stuff now, I would much rather have a school like that. If, but it's really hard to make, to make money when you're, you're in a hundred degree building.
1: Nobody right. wants to do that. No, no. So did you guys learn how to do promos and stuff <laughs> like that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. All the way. Nobody was better than Adrian. I mean, it was the one thing that he instilled in all of us was, you know, I'm Francisco Chiazzo from the second you see me, you know, at a, at a venue to the second I, I leave to get my car to go home. And that's the one thing he instilled in me is that you're going to make it make people believe. And I remember he gave us a quote and I still I still have this quote up you know, in my, in, in my, wherever, and anywhere I've lived, I have this quote up in my house. I can't, it was by Johnny Valentine. I can't make you believe what I do is real, but I can make you believe that I am. And, and I've lived by that. And I trained by that. And I train my students that way. And, you know, this business is what it is. I'm not going to sit here and, and give away every secret, but I'm also not going to insult your intelligence either. Um, but, you know, very similar to, 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 you know, you go to see a movie, you don't worry about if Darth Vader is real, right? You just right. go and enjoy the movie, right? Um, You know, same thing with Rocky or Karate Kid or, you know, Top Gun or you name it, right? Yeah. So so professional wrestling is no different. You know, uh, it's a very dangerous sport. It's a very dangerous industry. It's a very dangerous business. We train very hard to do what we do. And and there's nothing fake about this business or what we do. do. You know, there's nothing fake about gravity. Uh, You have to train very hard to do this just to be passable at this. You have to train very hard. Forget about being good or great. Just to be passable, you have to train exceptionally hard. And, you know, I had the luxury of, 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 of being invited and, and, and respectfully so uh, to the you know, performance center in Orlando about a year and a half, two years ago. And and it was it was such an eye-opening experience. And I was so thankful for the opportunity uh, that I was given to go there and train alongside the best coaches in the world uh, to work with the best talent in the world. And to see the training that these uh, these young talents are going through uh, at, at NXT, uh, just to just to get to the NXT level, you know, just to get to NXT, forget about getting pulled up to the main roster. You know, these guys and girls are busting their rear ends, um, you know, and you're scratching and clawing for every inch, you know, to to get to get pulled up to that main roster, you know, and to realize that dream. And it, it's it's such an amazing thing to see when you walk into a place like the Performance Center and there's a big sign that says "Be coachable." You know, you turn around and say, have fun. You know, enjoy what you do. You know, and it's it's such a different business and mindset than than when I was coming up and not saying it's better or worse. It's just such a different mindset. Uh, it's a really cool mindset. And I loved every minute of being there because I learned just as much, if not more coaching uh, uh, or, or listening to the coaches and coaching alongside of them. But I learned just as much from the talent as I did coaching. And it, that that's a pretty cool feeling to me.
1: Yeah, I would be absolutely a great feeling. So. When at WWN, did you, do you take what you learned back from Adrian and instill it into the people that you train where you're at?
0: Absolutely. 100%. I mean, I I've had to, you know, I've been privileged, Um, you know, just as I was privileged to, to get invited to the PC, I was privileged to have some of the best coaches after Adrian, you know, Bill DeMott, you know, was one of them. Um, and, you know, Bill was my coach at, at, at WW developmental at deep South and, uh, you know, Dave Taylor, Uh, He was another coach uh, that was very instrumental, uh, you know, over the years in in coaching me. Uh, Terry Taylor was, you know, one of my agents when I was doing impact work uh, for many years. Uh, uh, You know, even Jim Cornette, uh, just, you know, road dog. And, you know, I've had the opportunity and the privilege to to work alongside some of the best and learn from the best. And that's just a handful. I mean, I'm leaving a lot of people out, so I apologize. Uh, But, you know, I've been privileged enough to work alongside some of the best and, and I take what I learned from Bill DeMott, what I learned from Dave Taylor, what I learned from Terry Taylor, what I learned from all of these pros that came before me that paved the way and, and, and transfer that to my students. You know, we just had a, a seminar recently with Bill DeMott here at the WMN training center. And it was so cool to be able to come full circle and show my coach, uh, you know, from deep South, what, what he created and, and what, you know, it it, it was, it was probably one of the you know, top five moments in my wrestling career, honestly. Wow. And I've been doing this for a little over 23 years. And it was, it was easily in my top five of, of showing, Hey coach, look, look, look what your baby boy did, you know?
1: Right. Right. So, um, so uh, Jim Cornette gets a lot of flack from a lot of people on the, yeah. in the on the internet world. So is that, is he that, is he a cool guy? Yes. He's, I, that's a, great
0: guy. He's a great guy. I've always got one great with him. Um, I've learned so much from, from Jim over the years, you know, whether it was at, at, at impact um, I've got so many stories, a lot of which I can't really tell live on, on the air, but, but I, you know, but I've learned, I learned so much from him and I listened to his podcast daily or weekly rather um, other than his political views, which we won't get into. Um, I agree with that with just about everything he says wrestling wise. I mean, it, it's, he's, a, he, he has a track record that's, you know, hundreds of miles long, you know, and has been successful. In every aspect of the business that he's touched, so that's a guy you should be listening to, whether you like him or not. It has nothing to do with like. I didn't like all my all my teachers in, in school. I didn't like all my. I mean, hell, I didn't always like Bill DeMott. I didn't always like Adrian. I didn't always like all my coaches. I didn't always like Dave Taylor. And you know these, but but I I learned from them and I respected them because of who they are, where they've been, and and what they were, and 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 the you know the the streets that they paved before me. Um but uh, Jim Cornette, so he's one of the funniest, most witty guys and most entertaining individuals that you'll ever come
1: across. Right. Okay. Cool. I'd la- I'd love to meet these guys that he's talking about. So, um that the last training question I have is, you know, you have say 30 people show up for a training center. What is about how many of those 30 on average make it?
0: Oh wow. Well, <clears throat> to be quite honest, none. I mean, you know, there, there's you know, if you, I wish I could put a ratio There's So I just had this conversation the other night. There's so many more. That's probably terrible English. So much more, so many more, regardless, you kind of see where I'm going with it. Right. Uh, there's so that there's a lot more wrestlers now, probably quadruple the amount than there was when I was coming up. Okay. And not only wrestlers, you're not, you're not only competing with wrestlers with the WWE's, you know, NIL program right, that they have going on right now, you're competing with super athletes. You're not just competing with independent pro wrestlers anymore. So, when I was coming up, you were dealing with just independent wrestlers. Maybe a few football players that would come in every now and again that were coming off the field or, but no, you're talking about athletes that are athletes right now, super athletes that are coming in and and are able to get this pretty quickly and pick up on this stuff pretty quickly. Um, You know, I've had conversations with, with Gabe Sapolsky, who's you know, the talent scout for WWE and, and he handles a lot of the extras for Raw and SmackDown. And, and you know, he sees a lot of these talents that are getting this stuff fairly quickly. You know, so I was telling my students the other day, I said, you know, you guys are, forget about the, the, the in-ring work and the conditioning. You know, these guys are picking up the conditioning they've already got down. They're, they're, these guys are co- top college athletes. So the conditioning's already there. So, you know, you're telling a football player, hey, put your foot here, put your hand here, do this, do that. Here's how you do a body slam. Here's this, here's that. And they snap of a finger and a lot of them are getting it very quickly. Girls and guys, you know, the, the, the now the psychology piece and the pro wrestling piece and the why you do this here, why you do that there, that takes a little time, you know? So that's where you got a lot of the independent professional wrestlers that are coming in, have a leg up, but there's a lot of competition out there. So, you know, if I had to put a, if you had a thousand wrestlers, you know, one, two, when you talk about making it again, making it relevant. If we're talking about Roman Reigns making it or The Rock making it, you're talking 0.00005%. You know, you're talking about just, a, you know, a, a roster member. We're getting pulled up to the main roster. Yeah, one or two, three, maybe four or five, something like that out of a thousand. I'm not, and again, I'm not taking it away. I'm not saying it's easy to make it to the main roster or make it, it's easy to make it to NXT, but you're talking again, making it's relevant. If your level of making it is Roman Reigns, and, and by God, I hope everybody's shooting for that star. Um, you're talking, you know, one out of a million, you know? So yeah. say with Cena, and you know what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so in 2009, you made your Ring of Honor debut, teaming up with fellow 911 Inc. members, the Dark City Flight Club. Can you walk us through that first match at ROH?
0: Yeah, man. Um, of course, anybody who knows me knows that I'm not. You know, Ring of Honor's got a certain style. And I was never the ring of honor style guy, you know? So when Sal, when Sal Hemway called me and said, Hey, uh, we're going to send you there with uh, dark city fight club. And, uh, uh, we did two shows. We did one in South Florida, which we didn't, uh, we didn't work. Uh, we were just there. And then we did the one in, uh, consequently, I think it was called proving ground, which is kind of funny that our every Friday show here at WWN is called proving ground. I think it was called uh, ring of honor proving ground in Orlando, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. And um, it was it was myself and 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 Dark City Fight Club uh, squared off against uh, Roderick Strong, Eric Stevens, and and uh, uh, Brent Albright, I believe. And I was scared shitless because it wasn't my style. You know, <laughs> I knew I was going in as a heavy, so I was gonna be I was gonna be the one getting You know, getting tossed around, and because they were looking to sign Dark City, and and I was perfectly fine with that. Of course, you know those guys were friends of mine, and and I'd love to see how successful they were, and I was happy to do it. But, man, was i I was on I mean, I think Adam Pierce was Adam Pierce was was the agent backstage. and i Funny. I can't remember if Jim was Jim Cornette was there or not or if he was gone already. but I know Adam Pierce was there. And uh, I just remember about twenty minutes beforehand, like butterflies started. I felt like I was gonna puke because I was like, man, I don't want to go out there and shit the bed and huh. make make and and not look presentable, you know, even though this isn't my style, but hell, we went out and killed it. And I'll, I'm gonna put myself over, and I don't like to do that often. Uh, But I I did damn well. Uh, We all did damn well. The match was, in my opinion, pretty damn good. Um, And and the the Dark City Fight Club will tell a story where they they were chanting, please come back to Dark City. John Davis looks at Corey and says, where the hell's Frankie? I'm on the opposite side of the ring with tears coming out of my eyes trying to suck wind, trying to breathe thought i was dying <laughs> and i'm like oh my god this is so great but i can't get up i can't move and i just lay <laughs> there sucking wind and crying nice. like a baby because nice. i got there. but yeah it was pretty it was a pretty cool that that's another one of those things that are in my in my top 10 easily moments nice. so far,
1: yes. nice. yeah so now you're more, mainly you mostly concentrate with WWN as a producer agent for full <laughs> impact Pro, I believe, and run the training school. So, with all that busyness that you do, and do you have time to do shows, do perform yourself?
0: So, you know, I knew when I when I moved back to Florida from Nashville in 2017, um, I knew it was time for me to start transitioning. Whether it was aches and pains, yeah. whether it was it was never a I fell out of love with anything. It was never anything like that. It was it was more more so just hey man, I'm getting older. You know, I mean, we can't do this forever. We're not machines. You know, eventually things start breaking, and I started to feel aches and pains in places that I didn't have aches and pains before. And um, when Sal offered me the job to run the training center, I, I grabbed it because I knew that that was going to be my my transition or my my niche to stay relevant in the business. And over years, I would work with guys before shows, and uh, I would get compliments. Hey, man, you should be a coach or a trainer. And, Never really gave it a second thought. Like, ah, yeah, I'm going to be a pro wrestling star, and, and uh, but it wasn't until I moved home and started producing, and and kind of following, uh, Trevin Adams around, who's our, the mm-hmm. ambassador for WWN, and 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 doing commentary with guys like him and Ron Mimi, and um, and and started training guys that I I realized that, man, I'm actually pretty good at this training thing, right. and that kind of morphed into producing, and um, the producing aspect really came about. Uh, in like pre-pandemic or uh, well, right as the pandemic hits, um, I just like kind of signed what all brought me on as a producer, uh, Dave and, and Sal, and we did two loops. I think we did Boston, New York, and I think we did like, uh, I think Chicago and Detroit prior to that, if I'm not mistaken. Pandemic hits. Uh, everything goes belly up. We were okay. doing recruitment camps with NXT. Everything was going great, firing all cylinders, and then nothing. And I had to get, I had to get a job. I was like, well, F for shit, now like, now, what do I do? Right. And, um, and I picked up the phone one day and and it was Luke Gallows on the other line and he goes, Hey, you want to come film a pay-per-view in my backyard? And I was like, well, I don't know what the hell that means, but yeah, I'll be there. And, uh, it was all, of course, talking shop mania and that kind of morphed me on the producing, like, like aspect where I really started diving into producing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they they had just signed with impact or get ready to sign with impact. And I hit the road with those guys and kind of help them with whatever they needed. Um, and I would just kind of I'd be backstage and grab a headset and just sit next to guys like Dreamer and and D'Lo Brown and I would plug wow. the hell out of Scott Demore and follow him around. And you know I would I would produce little segments for The Good Brothers and um, and help them with whatever they needed. And and it was it was it, I was kind of teaching myself and learning from some of the best. These are those guys I just I just talked about. Right. So some of the best in business and and I learned the producing aspect of it. And then, of course, I get invited to the PC and and of course, you know, got the shadow guys like Carino, who have been friends with for years and and, and you know, Steve Regal and, and you know, just Rodney Brookside. and You know, you take your pick uh, of the who's who and the best of the best. Um, and I realized that producing was something I, w- I was pretty good at and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it just as much. Believe it or not, if not more in a lot of aspects uh, than my entering performance, because being able to take guys that don't believe they can or think they can, and and you know and, and make them believe, um, kind of taking a, a, a quote from from Paul Heyman, you know, and beyond the mat, you know, you know guys that don't think they can, and you show them the way that they can do it, man, that's pretty cool when they create that magic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you talked about Demore. One of my favorite recent things with Scotty is um, his his little thing with um, Bubba Ray or at the Impact that little um, segment they did that here a couple months ago. That was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm so,
0: a yeah. big Scott Demore fan, and you yeah. know, I was I worked for Scott years ago um, when he was doing the Team Canada thing. Yeah. Uh, early, early, early TNA days. Uh, yep. You know, when uh, we were going to Universal quite a bit, uh, Ryan yep. sent us there and. Uh, and, and I worked we were we were kind of the career underneath guys for, for Team Canada and, and LAX. And okay. it, was, it was cool working with those guys and, and became friends with quite a few of them, including Scott DeBoer. And I hadn't seen him in a long time. I think the first time I'd seen Scott since then was when I, I was on Gallows Property filming Talking Shop for Media. And okay. uh and I, I hadn't seen Scott in probably 10 or 12 years.
1: Wow. You mentioned yeah. Universal. You mentioned Universal Studios. I was that kid that would always go to Universal Studios with my family, and I'd be able to stand outside the the the, the, the arena, and I wanted to go in. And my mom and dad were like, "No, I can't." I'm like, oh, uh, I'm "Man, like, man. It was just on Soundstage Twenty One and
0: like, on Soundstage Twenty One or 22. Yeah. And it was, uh, but those are some of the best times. Like I loved. I learned so much. Yeah. So speaking about Cornette, like he was him Dutch Mantel. Uh, a lot of times they were road dog. with my agent quite a yeah. bit? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. It was it was some of my best times. You know, from like oh, I, you did that one or old. two to like or more, more recently when I was I right. was in back in them for a couple years before they resigned with WWE.
1: Right. My wife just informed me that I was there as an adult and I still wanted to get in that um go in that that uh, arena to watch a show and I wasn't able to do that then either. So, <laughs> there you go. That. So in the ring. um, do you still get that that excitement, joy, buzz as walking through that curtain as you did the first time you walked through the curtain? Even as a producer, do you still get that excitement of oh my god, it's showtime?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that doesn't go away. Once it's in your blood, and once you <laughs> uh, once you get this in your blood, it doesn't go away. Uh, hold on. Uh, once you get it in your blood, it doesn't go away. Okay. Whether it's in ring performance, whether it's whether whether it's in ring performance, whether it's producing, I get the same giddy feeling that I did the first time. Awesome. And you know, some days it feels like it's been twenty three something years. Yeah. Other days it feels like it's been yesterday I started. Um, I get the opportunity to work with some of the best young talent that's coming up now. Um, you know, guys like like Better Together. Um, you guys like Cam Stewart, Tyler Uriah, uh Daniel Starling Aaron Nova, um, you know, uh, Rich Ayala, Gus De La Vega. You know, I, I get the opportunity to work with so much talent and be able to help them and groom them and, and learn just as much from them as, 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 as I teach. So, you know, just, just the same thing I said about it, you know, going to uh, NXT and, and, and the PC. Uh, these young guys are teaching old Grizzle Coach just as much as, he, as he's teaching them. And, and believe it or not, a lot of aspects like proving ground and producing these shows and being a part of the training center and, and a lot of these guys lives, you know, kind of kind of helped me through a lot of things, too. You know, okay. so it, it's whether it was personal, professional, uh, you know, it, it's creating magic like this, in, in my opinion, is such a cool thing to be able to do. And I talk to Steve Carino on a regular basis and, and we have a lot of conversations about creating that magic and being able to do it from behind the curtain mm-hmm. to me. Is, is more important, uh, in, in, in my opinion. Somebody else might feel differently, but to be able to take somebody and help improve their career and to see them blossom. A guy like, you know, August Artois, who was my first born, uh, who's doing amazing things on the Independence right now. Wow. Uh, and being able to see guys that you had a footprint or you know, or, or a, a, a thumbnail on and, and be able to say, yeah, I helped him or I did this or you could see an aspect of what you taught them in their work, that's pretty damn cool to me.
1: Absolutely. So do you have a, what was your favorite win? Your most, most memorable win that you had in your career? Oh man. Um,
0: well, I've won a whole lot in my career, but
1: uh,
0: man, you know what? I'd have to say over Tokyo monster, Hey, that SOB. You know, I I, 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 I beat him in Eagle Lake, Florida. So that was probably one of my most impressive wins. Uh, there's a little, little, there's a little inside joke there with him and I. Um, it, I wouldn't necessarily say wins. Uh, let, let's say moments in my career. Okay. Uh, I'd say uh, one of the greatest moments was, uh, I'd say, I think I, mean, I think it was Congress, Puerto Rico. And we had just done some stuff with the Lock of okay. uh, The talk show host there in, in Puerto Rico. And I remember it was about, probably about 5,000 people in this arena. And I was working Kid Romeo from the old WCW fame. And okay. I remember when he hit me, uh, he hit me with his, 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 finish, his pattern move, whatever it case may be, and, uh, and the entire crowd chanted, uno, dos, tres, and they went nuts. And I remember I was laying in the middle of the ring crying. You see a pattern here? I was laying on the ground, of the really yeah. hard crying. I was laying right. in the middle of the ring crying. This is emotional business. So I just remember giving everything we had in that match. And I remember I came from the curtain and Rico Casanova, uh, who's one of my longtime friends in the business. He was working for WWC at the time, Carlos. Um, and I dropped to my knees and it was just like, it was, I left everything out there. It was exhausting. And I think that was probably one of the top moments of my wrestling career.
1: So you had a match, a televised match against Tatanka. <laughs> Can you talk about yeah. that? you remember that? Yeah, and it
0: was pretty cool, man. It was, a, it was my first, my first WWE match, uh, that I had. I was working for Deep South and I remember, uh, I remember Bill DeMott, um, you know, telling me, Hey, I'm going to have to plug in real quick before my phone dies. All right. Hold on. Okay, one no problem. No problem, Hold man. My-
1: we're having a pleasure of talking to a very very knowledgeable um, wrestler um, Francisco. I won't butcher his last name so um, I don't want him to get mad at me uh, but uh, we will we'll get that we'll get that link English class course um, probably after the show and I won't get his name right from now on.
0: Okay, hold on one second. I don't, want, I don't want to lose you so I'm going to go I'm going to I got to run and grab my charger. Sorry about that guys. All
1: right, no problem, man. So we're going to dive into more questions on um the business. We're going to talk about brotherhood, guys. Um we're going to talk about what it means what what the fans mean to him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um stay tuned and we are going to have a good time to finish up the show. Um, is, All right, we're is. back. So we're back in action. So um Tatanka, we're at Tatanka.
0: Yeah, so so it was my first WWE match, and uh, I remember I was in the arena, and uh, Sergeant Slaughter comes up to me and he goes, "Hey, kid. Uh, so uh, we got you and Chris." And I said, "Okay, great, excellent." I had no idea who we were talking about. I had no idea who Chris was. Okay. So I said, "Uh," and he said, "Chris Chavis." And I said, "Oh my God, it's Tatanka, right?" So, uh, they introduced us and, uh, we, we chatted for a little bit and he goes, Hey, I'm going to go. Think. I don't know what's happening. Hold on. Sorry. Guys. Sorry. So, um, sorry guys, I'm having technical difficulties. Please stand by. So, uh, he said, Hey, I'm going to go think I'll, I'll come back and find you Went to catering, did my thing and, uh, came back and we kind of, um, we went out and did our thing. And that was my first walk down a WWE rampway, and I remember, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think it was Ken Doan, uh, mm-hmm. I think referee, and he was coming down. Of course, I was coming down, you know, during commercial, and I remember turning around and looking at the arena, like, "Holy shit!" And he looks at me, and he goes, "Pretty cool, huh?" And I remember, "Here we go again. You're gonna see. Here we gonna see a pattern." A tear come down my eye, and I'm going, "Man." I made it, right? Holy right. shit. I'm here, I'm here yeah. right? So I'm looking around. I'm going, wow. And he goes, look, kid. He goes, you got three seconds. So you see that camera right there? That red light? When that goes on, you got three seconds. I had no idea what he meant. This was not my first time, right? I mean, I'd done developmental. With, we did TV, but it, it's not the same, right? It's not it's not the same when you got 10,000 people there, right? Right. So um, the red light comes on. He goes, all right, here you go. Three, two. Light comes on. Raise my hands. Whatever my, came across the lower third. And next thing you know, here comes the Tonka's music. He goes, all right, kid, that's it. There's your three seconds of fame. And we went and did our thing. And um, I watched the match back periodically. And about five years ago, Chris actually shared it and thanked me, you know, for the match. And 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 I'm thinking to myself, thank me. No, thank you. Like, that Ryan. was like, oh, my God. Like, you did so much for me in that match and just that he didn't have to, you know. Um, And, and I remember coming to the back. And I ran into, I ran into Steve Regal and it okay. was one of the first interactions that I'd had with him in a, in that type of setting. Right. So, yeah. um, and he goes, he goes, you know, kids, you look like you belong. You look like you belong out there, you know? And I'd always, stuck uh, with me. and I said that to him, um, we have a different relationship now, of course, we've known each other over the years and, and worked together. And, um, and I, I said that to him during one of our NXT recruitment camps and, and he looked at me and smiled and he goes, you still belong. You know, and it was oh, it's man. cool to be able to hear stuff like that um, from I mean, you know, I, I don't want to be overstate and say, you know, we're peers because he is such a you know, he's a legend in my mind. And, um, you know, and he, he's he's somebody I look up to and somebody I I, I learn from and uh, and look to, you know, when I want to teach something or show something, he's one of the first ones I go to, you know, awesome. and so to hear something like that from somebody at that level, man, that's that's stuck with me to this day.
1: Yeah, I bet, man. That especially for guys like that, man. Anything that you guys take in, and that's what I—that's a question I ask all the time. But you've answered it already. Yeah. How yeah. important is it to pay attention to the vets in the business and in the back when they're talking?
0: Oh my God, so important. I mean, right. you know, there, there's—I hear horror stories over the, you know, of things and guys the way they talk to the vets and the way they—they—they they, they think they know everything. And right. you know, I told the story the other night. And I can't remember where we were. I was an extra for WWE. It might be Atlanta. So forgive me if I can't remember the exact city. Um, but it was my first time at a WWE event in quite some time. And so uh, we're probably talking 2014, maybe right. 2015. Okay. And um, I remember sitting and catering and there was nobody else there except for Ric Flair. Okay. And he was sitting at the end of the table, which is odd because catering usually one of the busiest places in the arena. But it was very odd. I walked in to get a cup of coffee and I remember he was sitting at the end of a table and they had a TV in there. And they had a New Day had come on. And I remember he's watching. He's like at the edge. Have you ever seen somebody at the edge of their seat? Mm-hmm. Like watching, waiting for the next thing to happen. Mm-hmm. And I remember he turned around and of course I didn't want to lock eyes because it's just a weird, like I didn't want to like intrude or you know, or anything like that. Cause it's Ric Flair. Right. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm nobody. Right. So, so and I joke, but it's, it's like, come on, I'm not going to, I don't want to intrude. And he's, and he, he turns around, he goes, man, I learn from these kids every day. Like I can mm-hmm. look, I just learned and he starts going on about how good they are and how amazing they work and how, you know, Hey, they did this. And man, I wish I could do that. And man, I never thought of doing it that way. This is Ric Flair, man. Like how can Ric Flair learn? but there's guys that have been doing it a fraction of the time and think they know everything. Right. You know, so that, that one of those things where you have a moment in time, very similar to the regal, you know, bit like that yeah. resonated with me and stuck with me for years. I mean, I'm still talking about it now. Obviously. So, wow. you know, and that, that's, that's, I learn every day, I, you know, there, there's not, there's nothing about this business. I don't love. There's nothing about even the stuff I don't like. I still love it. Yeah. You know, cause I mean, it, it's, if you're gonna love this business, you gotta love all in. Right. You can't just love the parts that you're good at. Right. You gotta love the parts that you're not good at. Okay. You know, you gotta love the stuff that you don't like because that's still part of the business. Not every football player loves every aspect of the game, you know, or right. or so let me correct myself. Not that he doesn't love every aspect of the game. He he if he's a running back, he's a running back, right? So right. he may think, well, wow, the kicker is you know, kicker's a kicker, you know, but he's still part of the team, right? He's still part, it's right. still part of the business, still part of the game. Right. So, while I might not like a certain style, I still have to respect it because it is still part of what I
1: do, what we do, what the business is about. Absolutely, that's good. That's good. Um, so do you have any funny road stories or behind-the-scenes stories that you could share? Maybe one. <laughs> maybe, this uh, is, maybe this is your time to get back at Cahagas.
0: Well, well, so he's Caghas gets very angry a lot, so you can't you can't rip Caghas because he's always mad at everybody. And you never know. He's like, he's got like high blood pressure. His face gets red. Um, he started, he, he gets very angry. So I don't rib him very often, um, uh-huh. but there was a time and I'll tell this story. I think the statute of limitations have, have gone away. Um, but uh, it was me and my friend Pete Cannon and we were consummate rippers. Uh-huh. So it was a Jeff Peterson Memorial Cup. got rest old Jeff Peterson and uh, Ron Neme had brought every cruiserweight at this point in time. So you're talking, I'm going to butcher the year, maybe 2000, okay. 2001. I can't remember. And I mean, everybody from punk to ruckus to go to you name it. Okay. They were there, right? It was a virtual who's who we were okay. the comedy act. So we weren't part of the tournament. So we weren't on until the second day. So we had all the time in the world to drink, conspire, rib and be nuisances. Right. Okay. Yeah. So about three in the morning, Everybody comes back after the first night. Everybody's exhausted, tired, traveled from Philly, Midwest, Chicago, Texas, blah, 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 blah. Right. Right. So about three in the morning, me and my, my buddy Pete Cannon are about, about two bottles in. We decide to do a fake emergency call to the to the guy's rooms. So I pretended that there was a gas leak in the hotel. And we had to get everybody exited from the hotel. And we were evacuating the hotel. and We are putting them up in the motel sticks across the street. Now, mind you, this is like a Marriott, oh my god Hotel, oh, wow. right Okay. The Motel 6 across the street Was a, a crap hole, you know, across The street from, from this hotel So we started making, I had a list of everybody's Stuff, like their rooms I can't remember how I got it, but I got it We called everybody's room As this safety coordinator uh, Mark Green I think we, we named <laughs> me Mark Green, right So we called everybody's room And one by one by one We saw ruckus, punk Cole Kamana and everybody go down the glass elevator all the way down to the floor with their pillows and little blankies and little stuffed toys <laughs> and, go, and congregate in their little pajama pants down to the lobby and some of them even started walking across the street until I can't remember who which one of the boys went to the went to the uh, uh, went to the front thought to go to the front desk and go hey man nobody else is coming down here except for pro wrestlers Where's everybody else? And then of course they realized that it was fucking rib. They have no idea who it is or who did it. Well they do Ooh. now they do now, obviously. Right, right. You know? Um, but but that was that was one of the like we were just constant rivers. And you know, that's one of those things where we would just we had fun on the road and we still do. Like it was you know, I love to have fun. And you know, traveling with gallows and carl over the last couple of years talking about rivers and guys that are, like to have a good time and fun and you know, nobody's a bigger river than, than gallows and and right. we just it was like we was like one big rip fest, you know, and it was nice. we like to have fun on the road and it's a difficult business, it's just a hard business. So if you can go and have some fun, man, by all means have some fun.
1: Absolutely. Um, I love this question. So obviously you named a lot of names and stuff. Of how important is brotherhood in the business of professional wrestling and what does it mean to pay it pay your pay your dues back to the business? Oh man, brotherhood's huge to
0: me. And you know i i've i haven't made a ton of friends in the business it's, it's difficult to make friends in the entertainment business um i, I always say if you come across with one or two friends in the business you that's saying something right so you know that that being said um you know the, the, if i had to count my friends i mean I, tony Mamaluke, um you know gallows you know uh um you know, I, I, Ron Himi, I have a couple guys that i've that I'm, you know, Pete Cannon, of course, my best friend in the whole wide world. Uh, you know, Aaron Nova, you know, guys that, that I've been that I've been up and down the roads with, you know, over the years, you know, guys like Gallows and, and, and um, you know, guys like that, we came up together, you know, and yeah. it, it's a, there's that brotherhood. Um, and I'm trying to think of others, you know, but it, it's, you know, when you talk about brotherhood, that's a very special thing. You can be friends with somebody and not be brothers. You know, I have a lot of friends in the business, a lot of colleagues, But when you talk about brothers, guys that you could call in the middle of the night and they'd be there, man, there's a few and far in between. And you got to think, when you're on the road 200, 300 days, whatever the case may be, if you're a WWE star, you know, 300 plus days a year, you're with those guys guys and girls more than you're with your family. And, you know, so you develop a bond that's that's like no other bond that you'll ever have. Very similar to football players talk about. You know, um, when you're on the road with these guys, you know, you protect each other. You look after each other. Uh, you know, more about each other than, than somebody's wife or husband, you know, and that sounds crazy, but it's true. And, and, you know, I, I've been fortunate, lucky enough, you know, to, to, to have a couple brothers in this business. And, um, you know, we, it also, you know, the flip side of that is you also lose a lot of friends in this business. You know, that's, that's the sad part, but you know, you, you don't always, and you don't always start, uh, uh, end with the guys you start with, you know, you, you meet those people along the way. And uh, one of my favorite books, kind of off subject but it's five people you meet in heaven and right. um it's one of my favorite books and one of all time books and it talks about the different people you meet over your lifetime and um, um and, and and that's that kind of always again resonated with me and you know because you, you you meet these people and some are single serving some you meet they're there for a reason and they're out and that's okay too you know and that's a hard acceptance that i had to accept over the years so you're not always going to end with everybody you started with
1: okay awesome I'm gonna name drop here because I uh, I I looked at your Facebook page. You have some friends that are my friends too. Um, I I ca- I follow XIW Extreme Impact Wrestling um, from Panama City. Yeah, and guys like Damian Wayne. Wow,
0: uh, consummate professional, badass.
1: Chase Stevens, friend, brother. Um, <sighs>
0: He's seen some of my uh, worst times. Huh? Sorry,
1: guys. That's all right. That's all right. Jackson Slade. Oh, <laughs> tough SOB. Uh, Adrian Whisper. Wow. Hell of a talent. And John Saxon. John,
0: man, I, I know I'm going to repeat this tough son of a bitch. Great guy. Even better family, man. Amazing, Dad.
1: Yeah, that is, what you just said about all those guys resonates. What I love about Xiw that promotion, they put out a hell of a show. They do it for the fans. They don't leave anything back. And but what they love, the people they do it for. I, mean, I, talk, to, I talk to Adrian Whisper every day. Um, he's like, a, I do the podcast. I cover their show, and I air the live stuff, and so on and so forth. And they got a great storyline going on there where Jackson is mad at dad, Adrian Whisper, and John Saxon now is the, pu- I call him the puppeteer. He's controlling, yeah. he's controlling uh, Big Sal. I love it. Ja- and Jackson, it's great. Uh, you know, and stuff like that. So good stuff. But I, I've seen that you were friends with them, and I wanted to drop those names because yeah, they're great friends of mine and um, I love them to death. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So matter of fact, I'm to a podcast, Damien Wayne and him, uh, Damien threw out a challenge to him, and uh, I think uh, Adrian Whispers trying to get that set up to where they can uh, go at each other. So,
0: Wow, that's a match I'd actually pay to see.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. I heard about their bull riding comp- bull riding <laughs> match, right? yeah. yeah, so, big veto.
0: Uh, we've had our ups and downs um we've had our our good times our bad times um we uh, we actually talked a couple years ago we're both getting older now there's no reason to hold grudges uh grudges nice. are take a lot of energy um i wish him the best i know he's doing very well now he's happy uh he's happy i'm happy and um yeah we've definitely had our ups and downs we had there was no love loss for a long time um who knows what the hell why it started or you know all i know is it ended okay and we talked and, and things are a lot better now and i'm happy he's happy
1: awesome awesome um what's what's going on for the rest of 2023 what's that look like for
0: uh Ooh, busy as hell man we're going uh i got utah salt lake city with devotion championship wrestling uh, i'm going to continue of course building the WWN training center we've got a lot of students here we we're in double digit. you know we're in, in in some double digits here uh, possibly looking for, you know, another building, you know, with a so we can put two rings in here, continue to produce, uh, you know, the talent for W improving ground and FIP and full impact pro. Um, you know, we got, I got stuff in South Carolina for OSCW uh, returning back to Georgia for Lariato pro and Georgia championship wrestling, hopefully going back to Texas. So I got a lot of things coming up for the rest of 2023 and, and to be honest with you, man, 2024 is already starting to fill up and be busy and, and, you know, hopefully making a return, uh, you know, with God willing and, and and if everything lines up correctly, I'd love to make another shot going to WWPC as a guest coach. And um, um yeah. So things things are things are really looking up, and I can't complain. You know, it was a rough couple of years, you know, with the pandemic, like it was for everybody. So just trying to you know get everything rebuilt and and continue on that uh, on that path as a journeyman can do.
1: All right, kids' questions. I take care of kids, and they I, they talk about they ask me every night. Do I go on a podcast? I said, Yep. They have these questions they want to ask you guys. So real okay. quick. Yep. Favorite movie. Oh, fellas. Favorite TV show?
0: Ooh, wow. That's a loaded question. Uh, favorite TV show? Oh, man. I'd have to be... Uh, wow, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Good show. Food. Favorite
1: food? Uh, pepperoni and mushroom pizza. Does pineapple belong on that pizza?
0: No, it does not, and it's blasphemy.
1: Cartoons? Oh,
0: man. Favorite cartoon? Super Friends. 80s. 1980s Super Friends.
1: Video games? You play those? You collect them? Abs- here.
0: Absolutely, I collect video games. I play video games. I'm, I'm currently hooked on on uh, uh, Last of Us. Okay. Uh, I'm playing that on PS5. Uh, okay. I'm also uh, I was also hooked on uh, 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 Fallout New Vegas.
1: Okay. Do you acknowledge the tribal chief?
0: Absolutely, It's tremendous talent.
1: Amazing. Here's a TikTok question: Who is the greatest WCW champion ever?
0: Ooh. Rick Flair, David Arquette. <laughs> I love David Arquette, actually. I love David Arquette. But
1: how important are the fans to you?
0: They're the most important. Without fans, there's no us.
1: Uh, do they? Are you a fan of the merch table and the meet and greets where they come and see you? And all absolutely,
0: this stuff? I learned so much. Again, going back to Gallows and Carl, being on the road with them, kind of the road manager for a couple of years. You know, just kind yeah. of traveling with them and. And, you know, it really, really resonated the importance of the merch table and, and how to work that merch table and how important that is. I was in Dallas with them for Mania Week, and, and it was amazing to see how they worked and how important these fans were, especially if we're talking about of Mania. Like, yeah. we, were in, we were in Maryland at, at uh, uh, Jimmy's Famous Seafood, and there was a fan that came there just to see. And I'm not I'm – uh, please, I'm not trying to put myself over above those guys because those guys are mega stars. They came, this guy came down from Canada just to see Frankie Coverdale. Like, like that was, that really showed me how important like the talking shop podcast was and and how important those fans, that interaction that the good brothers had uh, with, with, I didn't realize I'm wearing a good brother's shirt today. So uh, how important it was for that fan interaction. Um, Anytime a fan wants to have a conversation or talk uh, or or just an autograph, you know, uh, uh, and again, I'm by far not a star in any stretch of the imagination, but just that little interaction or that little time can, can go a long way. A lot of times.
1: Awesome. Is there any memorable fan interaction that you, um, that comes to mind?
0: Uh, Yeah, actually, I mean, a, a lot, a lot of them. Um, One recently, I was actually leaving proving ground where you go to wing house, we call book in the territory with Aaron Nova and Daniel Starling, where we go and just have a couple of beers and, and eat some wings and stuff and kind of BS about the night. And, um, I was walking out and this dad comes up to me and he had just put his kids in the car and he goes, Hey, I just wanted to, just wanted to say thank you. And I said, well, thank you for what I got. I was taken aback. I was like, thank, thank me for what? And he goes, for doing what you guys do. He goes, you know, I'm going through a divorce and I take my kids here on every other, every other Friday, you know, cause when he has his kids, he goes, and they, every time that I pick them up, they, Hey dad, are we going to wrestling? You know? And he goes, they love it here. We are able to, to come here. It's affordable. And we able to see, you know, some great wrestling and, and I'm able to bond with my kids. That's pretty cool to me, man. Like, yeah. that's really neat, right? Like, that's so yes. cool, you know? Yeah. And that was like, it was such a cool interaction,
1: you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, October 22nd, Clear Rotter, Fallout 2023. Is it true that you're going to be in a six-man tag team?
0: Match? Well, uh, I'm actually going to be managing. I'm actually going yes. to never know how these things break down because when, when you can talk about FIP and Fallout and and just, just those words alone, you never know where you're going to see Francisco Chiasso get his hands dirty. Uh, but I'll be managing the set, uh, Rich Portaiua, uh, Mr. De La Vega, and and, and, and the, uh, the planted old Dominican powerhouse, uh, the debt collector of the set, Rafael Delgado, uh, against the Miami boys. And uh, the Miami boys are an incredible uh, uh, tag team and group, actually, from Miami Beach, um, dubbed, of course, the Miami boys. Uh, but they're gonna have their hands full, of course, with the set. But you never know. Uh, Chris Jerboe is gonna be on the floor as one one fourth of the Miami Boys. Uh, I'm, of course, the shot caller of the set, uh, the boss, if you will. And uh, you never know what's gonna happen. It could break down to an eight man. Uh, I might just decide to punch one of those boys' teeth in the back of the head. Who knows?
1: So I was just gonna ask you: Is there anything you want to tell your opponents to expect?
0: Oh, well, they trust me. They know us. They know us very well, and they know that they're coming to FIP Fallout. We're coming for those FIP. Uh, world Tag Team Titles, doesn't matter which members of the set, get those Tag Team Titles around our waist. We're coming after the Metro Brothers, uh, a team that I dumped for better days uh, with the set. And, of course, we're coming with those Tag Team Titles. That means we got to step on the Miami boys' stupid little dreadlocks. We'll step on his dreadlocks.
1: There you go. There you go, Miami boys. You heard it from um, our guest. So is there anything else that you can share with um, the fans before they, like, social media, what to expect, and uh, where they can find you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Francisco Chiazzo Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, all the same. Uh, please follow me. I definitely follow you back. Uh, I enjoy fan interaction. Uh, you kind of see me on uh, Gabe Spolsi Twitter space. Uh, we, uh, every couple of weeks, I'll pop in there and answer some questions, uh, meet some fans, talk to some people. Uh, of course, you know, WWN Training Center. Uh, look us up, uh, uh, WWNTC.com, uh, as well as, you know, of course, WWNlive.com, uh, FIP, FIP Fallout, Shine, uh, uh, as well as WWN Proving Ground. Uh, you can see me at all of those places, Lariato Pro, OSCW. Uh, but if you if you go to my uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, you'll see all those promotions I work for. Please say hello. Uh, thank you for the support over the years. Uh, look for the re-release of Journeyman at 316 Production, Global Genesis Film. Uh, the uh, uh, the pre-re release, the re-release, and uh, uh, our uh, uh, press release is going to be going out here in the next three three and a half weeks. So take a look at that. We're going to be released on Amazon Prime. And uh you'll be able to purchase that as well.
1: Awesome Sasha. So I'm gonna close the show. Please stay in the lobby. Don't go anywhere. I want to talk to you off air real quick. Okay. You got it, brother. Huge pop pressing podcast um fans. I thank you for coming on tonight. Hit the follow button, hit the subscribe button, YouTube, every every social media you see. Follow this man, Francisco Chiazzo. Um, thank you, Mr. Chiazzo, for joining us. Love you fans. Um we're out all my
0: dogs make some noise up in this house
2: who is in the house who is in the house it's the gangster of destruction so you know what's going down and when the drive-by's coming then you better hit the grind when your body hits the canvas then your head is not got who is in the house? Who is in the house? It's the gangster of destruction So you know what's going down And when the drive-by coming Then you better hit the grind when your body hits the chemist Then your ass is not a guy Fight with Adrian Whisper It's like a fight with the devil Because when he's dealing with you You cannot get on this level Fight with Adrian Whisper It's like a fight with a king It's like a fight with an army They got the tanks and everything He's leaving bruises and stitches Possibly leaving your cripple Cause when he sets up the table And sends you straight through the middle Take a district beat that ass with a light or a piece of glass embedded in the back of your skull who is in the house who is in the house it's the gangster of destruction so you know it's going down and when the dry fire's coming then you better hit the ground cause when your body hits the canvas then your ass is knocked out who is in the house who is in the house it's the gangster of destruction so you know it's going down and when the dry fire's coming then you better hit the ground cause when your body hits the canvas then your ass is knocked out